The drive-through is GTM's monthly news episode and is sponsored in part by organizations like hpdejunkie.com, Hooked on Driving, AmericanMuscle.com, CollectorCarGuide.net, Project Motoring, Garage Style Magazine, and many others. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor of the drive-through, look no further than www.gtmotorsports.org. Click About and then Advertising. Thank you again to everyone that supports Grand Touring Motorsports, our podcast, Break Fix, and all the other services we provide. Wait, am I saying it? <laughs> Welcome to Drive Through episode number 22. This is our monthly recap where we put together a menu of automotive, motorsport, and random car adjacent news. Now, let's pull up to window number one for some automotive news. Hey guys, you know what? We are closing out May. This is airing actually on the 31st. You know, spring is almost over as well. I heard that the other day. The summer was already over. I said, really? <laughs> so it's going to be mean, winter next week. It's practically 2023 already. I was like, summer hasn't even started, but it's over. Well, I mean, if you live in the DMV, it's winter goes into summer like a light switch, which led me to write a little poem. You know, I wanted to share it with you guys. Oh, yeah. So it goes like this. Real simple. Spring has sprung. The grass has riz. I wonder where all the Nissans is. Wow. Snaps for that poem. That's that Damatha education right there coming through. I can, I can hear it. <laughs> Don't quit your day job. It leads us into our showcase this month. I want to start off by talking about the Nissan 400Z, the Proto, the just the Z, whatever you want to call it, and my epic trip to California to see it. So if you guys remember last month, I reported about, you know, seemingly new information about the Z and all these kinds of fun things because I'm partially obsessed by it. And, you know, I told you that local dealerships are saying August, August, August. I'm hearing now closer to October for the release. And if you guys are following anything on social media about the Z, the press cars are absolutely everywhere right now, which means they were also available to see in person. You just kind of got to keep track of where these press cars. I was fortunate enough to have to go out to LA for work. And at which point I reconnected with one of our previous guests, Paul Willemoski, who took me all over, you know, LA and in the canyons and Santa Monica. And we had an absolute blast. And as part of that, we got wind by way of one of our friends over at SRO Motorsports, that there was an exclusive you know, event going on at the Peterson Auto Museum, which I'll talk about more here in a little bit, where the Nissan Z was going to be shown publicly. It happened to coincide with a JDM Nissan event that they were having there at the Peterson. And I have a bunch of pictures and I'm going to you know, have them available in the show notes as well about the Z and what it looks like and this and that. I tell you what, first impressions are everything. And you put it in order. I don't know what to think. He's not going to put it in order. Blah! Let me put it in perspective. You can't get over the French. Dreams were crushed. <laughs> Never drive your heroes or sit in them. He didn't have those lowered expectations. So first of all, the two that were there at the Peterson were in Canary Yellow and Battleship Gray, two of what I feel are the most unattractive colors that the car could come in. A lot of the other press cars come in ruby red and this electric blue and, you know, all these other colors that you've seen throughout social media and videos and whatnot. This wasn't the color black, so it was not murdering color. (laughs) I was immediately turned off by that 100%. The thing that stuck out to me immediately that I didn't notice until I saw the car in person 
was this chrome strip that goes from the A pillar down to the rear haunches. I guess maybe certain angles or colors or it wasn't there in the prototype or whatever. It just sticks out to me like a sore thumb when I saw it in person, maybe because it was reflecting in the California sun. I don't know, but it just annoyed me in today's day and age in 2022 to produce a sports car with an obscene amount of chrome on it. Just, oh God, that turns me off. Like I immediately said to myself, that needs to be wrapped or painted flat black one or the other. Isn't Nissan big on doing the like midnight edition vehicles? Maybe that's like the next version, midnight edition 400Z. You can get it with your midnight edition Murano. It could be. They must have something else. Toyota has the midnight editions. Because I thought we rented one when we were in Texas. It was the midnight edition Murano or we didn't have, what did we have? Was it a Murano? I can't remember. Might have been a Murano. It wasn't a cross cabriolet. That's what I know for damn sure. I don't think it was a a midnight murdered out edition. It was all black. Yes, but. It, it, It was terrible. And that's beside the point. What I'm getting at here is. When you see this new Z from the front, outside of this chrome thing, it immediately got my attention. It's very angular. It is very reminiscent of the old 240Zs. You know, there were tons of 240Zs and 280s and 260s to compare it to at this event. So you're like, oh, old versus new. I have pictures of them side by side. I like the front. Everybody makes fun of the big rectangle grill. It needs it. It's got to suck in a ton of air to cool that motor and the turbos and everything else. I'm totally fine with it. The profile of the car outside of the chrome it looks really good. When you get to the back, it also looks really good, but you feel like you've looked at three different cars as you've walked around it. The back feels like you're looking at a late 90s 300ZX turbo. It is so big. You think the Mercedes SLS has got a big butt. You think the 911 has got just a huge rear end, and here comes the Nissan. It's just massive. So I'm like, okay, I I can put up with that. It was exactly what I thought it was going to be. It is longer than and lower than the 370Z. There's a lot of people saying it shares a lot of stuff with the 370Z, fine, whatever, but it's not up on stilts. It's very low. It's very wide. It's a big car. You know, it's sitting on like, I don't know, like 20s or 22s or something. I mean, it it just, it it almost looks like a matchbox car in, in some respects, So I'm there and I get introduced to like the PR people from Nissan and this and that. And they're talking to me and I'm talking to them, asking questions and, you know, trying to get some more definitive answers about the car. And one of them turns to me and says, Hey, do you want to, do you want to sit in it? And I'm like, well, I mean, does a bear shit in the woods? Of course I want to sit in it. So I hop in the car and there's pictures of me in the car and things like that. And the first question out of his mouth, you know, as I'm kind of looking at the interior and I'm really not saying anything, which by the way, the interior is very beautiful and plush. It's a great place to be as much as you want it to be for a sports car, nothing too outrageous, but not as utilitarian as a Porsche. So he asked me, he's like, so what do you think? And I turned to him and my first response was, well, there's plenty of space in here for my helmet. And he looked at me puzzled. I said, you have to understand I coach in a ton of different cars and this is the first modern sports car I've gotten into where I don't feel like I'm going to be cramped if I'm in a student's car, if this was my personal vehicle, you know, you compare it to like the Supra where the roof line cuts off really, really fast. And if you're over, you know, five foot eight, you got to either rotate your hips or scrunch down or this and that it's just in the Corvette similar to where it's, it's a very tight cockpit. The Z is so big, it has a lot of room. It feels more like a grand tour than a sports car. So if I want to compare it to something, not visually, 
I would compare it to like a 928. It's a Japanese 928. That's what it is. Am I underwhelmed? Maybe a little bit. I'm hearing really good things about the performance from the people that have gotten the opportunity to drive one. I have still not yet gotten the opportunity and I hopefully will soon. That might be a deciding factor. Also, the price is a big thing, right? You're still hearing pretty low numbers, reasonable at the you know upper 40s, low 50s, things like that. But who knows, right? With surchargers, dealer markups. So that's been my experience with the Z thus far. So there's a couple other articles that came out in the meantime, since I've been back from California. And one of them Brad shared with me, which was, what are the things that the Z shares with the legendary R32? What is the answer to that question? Nothing. I mean, what? It's a two-door. Is that it? Like it comes in a blue color? (laughs) It's not all-wheel drive, right? It It is not. It doesn't have a VR6 in it, right? Well, no, the, the Skyline was an inline six turbo. The Nissan is a V6 twin turbo. What it shares in common, which- Oh, I was, never mind. It was okay. a want, want moment, is apparently the steering wheel design. But even when I looked at that, it's like comparing a modern GTI to the original one from 83. Oh, we've got a three-spoke Spoke steering wheel. Steering oh, wheel. We've got another three-spoke steering wheel. I'm like, whatever. All right. So yeah, other than that, I don't really think they share anything in common. I, I have- my Audi has a three-spoke steering wheel. You're pretty special. <laughs> I don't know what my car has. Momo three-spoke. Do I share with these two? <laughs> so the other thing that, you know, since we're talking about the Z, the other thing that's on my list of, let's say, in the negative column against the car is Jason Camisa's latest drag race shootout that he did on the Haggerty YouTube channel. And it's between the Z400, the Supra, and the current top of the line Mustang GT500 or whatever the heck it is. <sighs> Excuses aside, right? Everybody's saying, oh, well, if the, if the Z had better tires, if the Z had better tires, it would have done better. The end result here is it got spanked by both the Supra and the Mustang. That's not boding well for its performance. No. No, not at all. I mean, is I don't it, know if it's fair to compare it to a Mustang, but compared to the Supra, I feel like well, it's I don't know more... if it's if it's a bigger Grand Tourer then I mean, the Mustang's pretty close to a Grand Tourer. What's the weight on the Z? Uh, that I haven't been able to confirm yet, unfortunately. 3,600 re- pounds. As I've read it, not all of the body panels are equally magnetic, meaning that I think they've taken some playbooks out of older cars where some panels are aluminum and some are steel and not everything is actually metal to try to keep the weight down, but 3,600 pounds at 400 horse, that's pretty heavy, all things considered. I mean, the Corvette's lighter than that, obviously, but it's in a totally different category. The Mustang is about the same weight. I think the Supra's a touch lighter. 3,300 pounds. For the yeah, that, that's quite, that's significant, actually, 300 pound difference. So again, it's a 928. That's what I keep thinking now. And I'm like, well, does that still make it as palatable? It, it's not going to be a track day superstar. It's going to be a B-road bomber. It's going to be a lot of fun on a mountain road or a mountain run or a cruising or something like that, you know, and maybe an everyday sports car, but not, you know, hey, I'm going to go set the world on fire at New Jersey Motorsports Park or some point or VIR or something. You know, I'd rather almost have an old 350Z that's modified weighs less it's naturally aspirated and you can have a lot of fun with that as well so i don't know i am really that's where you doing i mean that's a completely different discussion oh i would much rather have a car that's modded specifically for the track as a track car than a car fresh off the showroom floor i mean you can say that about anything you can but it's kind of what gets you up in the morning i almost think i would have more fun with the stock 350z in a way because it's more nimble less computers 
you know, more of a driver's car because it was built 20 years ago. I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking too. And then you do some mods to it, coilovers, wheels, they look good. They sound good. Well, you haven't driven it. So you can't say, you can't speculate. Yeah, I I don't, I, you don't I know if it's, you don't know if it's more or less nimble. I, I understand which, where you're going with this. I mean, it's kind of why they took the Miata back a step to be more in line with the NAs as far as like the engineering, you know, they, they tried to go back to, they got away from the bloated Ford NC to a more NA-based ND. So I understand what you're saying where it seems like the Z400, your first impression is it's not going to be like that. It's going to be kind of a bloated, but I, I agree with Tanya. You should really, I wouldn't write it off just yet until you get a chance to drive it. I agree. But the other thing that's now stuck in my craw, and I, I got to blame Paul for this 100%. We went out in the canyons with his bone stock 99, two and a half liter Boxster, 200 horsepower or whatever it makes, or 210 or something like that, weighs 2,700 pounds soaking wet from the factory. And it was amazing. I forgot what an original boxer was like. I drove one so long ago that it's like you kind of put it out of your memory. And I'm like, for what he paid for that, you could have one of those with a ton of money left over, not do anything to it and have an absolute blast. Now, is it going to turn a bunch of heads and people go, ooh, ah, it's the latest and greatest? That's unfortunately the old timer in me that goes, there's plenty of old cars still left to enjoy. So this is what puts the Nissan back a minute. Like I got super excited about it and I'm just like, I don't know. But I think it still holds true everything we've talked about so far. It's kind of the last of the line. It's last of these stick shift, rear wheel drive, ice powered coupes, right? These, even if it's a grand tour, there aren't many coupes left either, a sports coupe, let's call it what it is. And there's something to be said about that. So yes, I'm still holding out final judgment to drive one. I mean, please, if you're listening to this, convince me that I'm wrong, that I shouldn't give up on the Z, but right now the scales have definitely been tipped. I'm I'm not really sure where to go from there. So if we pull the Z out of your future garage, what do we put in it? Uh, Are you going to run out and buy a 99 Boxster? Or are you still on the Alfa Romeo 124 train? There's a lot of cars on that list. And I just don't know yet. I don't know. I I mean, I've been salivating after the Alfa 4C as well. I think that'd be a lot of fun. It would cost less than a Nissan Z. But then you give up the manual. You do. And you're a purist. That's true. That is very true. I am a dinosaur. So I don't know. There's a lot to think about. You know, there's a lot to think about. I think we have some upcoming What Should I Buy episodes that might change our listeners' minds as well. So I'm going to put a pin in that until we revisit those later this season. Enough of that. Enough of that. We need to move on, right? We, we, can, we can talk about Nissan still we're blue in the face. But, you know, you guys are big into Formula One. And I hear some exciting news coming from our friends at VW Porsche and Audi. Yeah, some of our favorite brands, they've announced that they are coming to Formula One in, what, 2026, it looks like? Not soon enough. 2026? We got to wait that long? I mean, is that when they're bringing out the next generation of car that they just brought out the new generation now? We're waiting for that. It seems like a three to five year timetable in Formula One. Will they be running 20 inch wheels then? Are they waiting for Trump to become president again and and reduce the cafe uh, requirements? VW, the parent company of Audi and Porsche, et cetera, they're making a push to put Porsche and Audi in Formula One, not just in engines, but actually have their colors being run on a car. I don't, I don't know think that has been said at all. It looks like Audi is has an agreement with McLaren, I guess, for power plants. Both of these okay. agreements are for power plants. Porsche will be powering the, the Red Bulls. I don't even I, think there's an agreement. I think there's a, we on this side want to do this. 
Audi Porsche. And then McLaren's like, middle finger, we don't want you. And I'm sure there'll be negotiations. At least that was my understanding. So maybe it's all for nothing. Maybe they're going to power the Andretti car. But the question is with that is, are they going to let another team in and have 22 drivers or is Andretti going to have to buy out somebody? I personally, I think Gene Haas is looking to get out of Formula One because it's a lost leader for him. I mean, this year, the team's been doing a lot better than they have previously, but still, I think he's been looking for an excuse to get out of Formula One for a little while. What do you do? Driver shuffle or you just kick Schumacher to the curb? Well, you keep Schumacher because you got rid of the Russian. No, you can't because Andretti wants to have American drivers on an American team in Formula Mm. One. He can put Schumacher on the B squad and keep him as a test driver for the team and not break his contract. Yeah, but once you get a taste of that sweet, sweet Formula One drive, you don't want to be a test driver anymore. I mean, I'm sure there might be some other team. I'm sure there's like, you know, some other team that wants to kick somebody out. Maybe they could swoop, swoop up Schumacher or Magnussen. At this point, I'm sure that Mercedes wants to get rid of Hamilton since he hasn't done jack shit this year. (laughs) How quickly they're dethroned. I mean, I can say that because I already know he's a much better driver than anybody else in the world. (laughs) So I don't don't care. Yes, Lewis, you're better than me, but you're still going to get kicked off the team. It's either you or Toto. Toto ain't going nowhere. Nah. Yeah, so Audi and Porsche want to gain Formula One. They just need to find a team that they can give power plans to. I think they should go ahead and extend the field. Why I not? I do too. I don't think it would hurt. It's not like there'd be that much more traffic. Yeah, they just got to get around the back markers of Williams. There's another team right for the taking. Williams is already under new new uh, ownership. Didn't they do a documentary, like basically showcasing that they were dead? I mean, what was going on? What's going on? You, you know, there's this show on Netflix called Drive to Survive no, no, where they talk about no, all of this stuff. It's no, been on for four no, seasons now. No. Three seasons? Four seasons. Tanya, no. correct me if I'm wrong. Three four seasons. Four seasons. Yeah. There's a lot of information out there. Eric. Uh-huh. There's a lot of information on ancient aliens too. So I'll just continue watching that. <laughs> you go ahead and watch WRC with your tinfoil hat and us normal humans are going to stick with F1. If you're okay. Since you brought up WRC, you know what? Let's talk about cool stuff that's happening in the world of rally around the Audi e-tron Dakar, shall we? That thing is pretty sick looking. It is pretty sick. And the journalist that the article that we're referencing here actually got an opportunity to drive it on a test course. And I thought it was pretty interesting. Some of the questions that we had were actually answered about this vehicle. Which isn't a full EV. It's a hybrid. Ding, 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 ding. That was our biggest question, right? Which is how the heck are they going to get power to charge this thing up when they're on the Dakar rally? Please tell me it's a diesel. It is not. Uh Oh, I mean, their answer was like straight up, like, we don't have the battery technology. You can't do this. Like, you won't make it, (laughs) which is fair. So there you go. They put a two liter turbocharged four cylinder on it. (laughs) So does it get to carry the badge e-tron though, right? I mean, maybe it does because the A3 e-tron was a hybrid, but whatever. That's all just badge engineering. The thing that I thought was amazing, though, is the technology, the MGU technology, which we talked about on a previous episode. And this is why it comes back to Formula One. Volkswagen had proposed the MGU technology for F1. And now I understand what it is. In simple terms, it's what I've been preaching about for years now, that we need to go the direction of diesel electric hybrids like they do in trains. 
The difference is the VW Audi MGU power plant is a gasoline version of that. It's a two liter gas motor that runs at somewhere between 4,500 and 6,000 RPM to maintain this like perfect power output to feed the electric system to then, you know, get the car going where it's going. So I was like, ah, there we go. Okay. So I'm not crazy. This is doable. They are doing it. Diesel is taboo. So we have to do it with gas. But the one thing I thought was comical is when the journalist was talking about just the sound that it makes, because it's, it's basically running at the high end of the RPM range for a two liter all the time. It's just kind of obnoxious. But- Can I just say we're overlooking the most important feature of this vehicle? It's something it shares with the greatest Nissan ever made, the R32. It has a three-spoke steering wheel. <laughs> That solidifies its legendariness right there. The two liter motor, it's not powering the wheels at all. It's literally only, so it's a generator. Correct. Okay. That, that's, it, so that's kind of cool. But it's a high strung generator. Had they used a diesel, think about the range they could have gotten. A gallon of diesel probably would have, they would have gone, I don't know, 500 miles and it would have idled at 1200 RPM. Instead, this thing has to burn its brains out at 4,500 to 6,000 RPM to generate the power needed to run the electric system. That's nuts. It's so I, inefficient. I guarantee if this was pre-2015, pre-diesel, diesel. Case, it, would, it would be a diesel. 100%. It would have what been a three-cylinder three TDI in there. What kind of earplugs are the drivers wearing to, My point, to deal right? with this? Holy crap. Can you imagine a high-strung four-banger that you can't shift gears just I mean, for like the next 10 hours? And it's, it, sounds like an RX, it sounds like an RX-7. <laughs> hey, what does that share in common with the R32 Nissan? Shoot me now. Oh, wait, that's a three-sided, never mind, rotor, not a steering wheel. <laughs> that's a Dorito. So we're going to stick with the EVs for a moment. We're going back to Volkswagen. They are... Resurrecting? Yes. Thank you, Tanya. They are resurrecting the Scout nameplate and bringing out an EV brand Scout. Like, you're talking East. international Scout, right? No, I'm talking okay. like minor league baseball scouts. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> the yes. Boy Scouts? What are we talking about here? The Boy Scouts. The Girl Scouts of America. Yeah. No, yeah. They are resurrecting the International Scout to be an EV off-roader. I guess to compete with the new EV Hummer. Well, it's probably going to be a lot cheaper because it's going to be smaller than that. The Ford, Bronco, and the Jeep. They want to get in on that sweet, sweet 4 by 4 monies. Just a segue for a hot second. I was in traffic and turned my head the other day and, oh, there's a Bronco next to me. Like, oh, very nice, very nice, very nice to see. And then I got behind it and I was like, "Mm, it's a little less nice nice to see from this angle. (laughs) Was it a Bronco or the Bronco Sport? I think it was the Sport. My memory has already like erased it. So it's basically the the Land Rover Freelander or whatever the escape. It's It's just so like, I really like it from the side and from the front, but then like the back is just like too narrow at the top. (laughs) They wanted to do like the safari roof, like on the old discos and stuff where it's got that kind of shape to it or the Volvo SUVs kind of have that scalloped rear. And I get you on the sport, the Bronco itself. If you see one of those in person, they're big. I mean, it's like a Ford Explorer big, like you won't miss it. That's for sure. So back to the scout, I was wondering, how did they do this? And apparently they bought... When did they do this? That's when did they buy international? 2020. What? 
So it says here, International Harvester sold the Proto SUV Scout from 1961 to 1980, with the truck maker going belly up in 1985 after nearly 80 years of production. VW acquired what was left of International in 2020 with its purchase of Navistar International Corps. Interesting. They bought the parent company. So they they also bought the rights to because international makes rigs and stuff too. They make right? tractors, they make motors. I mean so this is this is all under that Navistar International umbrella, I'm assuming. Yeah. I think it's cool. It just feels out of place. Because International is such an American brand, such an American thing. I think well, a lot of us associate International more with Ford than we would with VW. It just seems weird that VW bought them and Ford didn't. You yeah, know? you know, this is nothing like Fiat buying you know, <laughs> Jeep or anything like that, right? It's, I mean, by way of Mercedes, come on now. It's, 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 yeah, we need we need the Germans making America's most beloved military sport SUV. Was this America's most beloved? It was a flash in the pan. No, but the, the Jeep Willys was, and it's kind of funny that Mercedes owned Jeep. I think it's cool, but again, you have all these neat things in Europe, like the Amarok and all these other trucks that you've already built. Why do we need the International? And does anybody care anymore? I mean, I guess they're going to try to play the nostalgia card. Yeah, that's what- the real question. It's like, I don't know. Yikes. I mean, who's going to buy this with a VW badge on it? Well, it's going to have a Scout badge on it. I think they're going to brand it as its own thing. It's, it's like it's like Hummer. Hummer is its own EV brand now. So Scout is going to be no, no. the German equivalent. It's like those bags you buy or whatever. Blah, blah, by Michael Kors or Da Da by Versace. Instead Maybe of Prada, is... it's Prado. What? Yeah, yeah. It, it, no, it's, it's Scout. Sorry. It's Scout <laughs> by <Magnet>. Volkswagen. <laughs> Magnet box. Scout by Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Yes, the people's I, car, the people's Scout. I mean, I would go test drive one. I'd go look at one in person. Would I bring it home? You'd have to really convince me. Like the stats on it would have to be stellar. It'd have to be better than the Rivian, which we already know is like the king of the hill right now when it comes to these EV SUV pickup smaller size things. So you're not really a four by four person per se anyway. So I would never expect you to take home one of these or a Bronco or a Wrangler or a Hummer or any of those. I'm always looking for something to replace my diesel guzzling $6 a gallon Jeep Grand Cherokee right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about the Cybertruck? No, that's Please. a hard, hard cast. <laughs> so yeah, but none of the things like Brad just named off would be suitable replacements for your use case. Though, so. A thousand percent. No, of course not. But you, you know what else isn't a suitable replacement for the use case at hand? The Nissan Yet another... Well, that too, but anything named ID, whatever at this point, because they've introduced yet another one called the ID5 GTX. I'm really confused. Oh my God. I love this. How is it different than the ID4? Other than the back and Mike is rolling his eyes and could tell us like the back, I guess, is a lot more sloped. I get you there. At first I went, Ooh, this is maybe going to be like a Corrado thing, you know, cause it kind of has that side profile, like maybe like a little tail is going to pop out of Almost. the back, you know? Right. And then you get to the back and you're like, wait, it looks just like the ID4. The other thing that turned me off immediately. Okay. <laughs> immediately. Soapbox. 
The ID5 is the coupe version of VW's familiar EV, but changes the standard car. Well, and that's the other thing I got confused by. How is this a coupe of the ID4? It's the same size or bigger, okay. I think okay. it said. I just want to confirm that I'm not crazy because I've had this discussion with Brad a million times about what's a hatchback and what's a liftback and what's a coupe and what's a not. So I went back to the dictionary again for the thousandth time and i'm going to read you verbatim what the definition of a coupe is or a coupe a car with a fixed roof two doors and a sloping rear end it has four doors got too many doors i believe bmw coined the term grand coupe it's a grand coupe from the that ugly thing did they make like three of them yeah they made a bunch the Grand Coupe is supposed to be like the two-door Benzes and the, yeah. the six-series BMW, which was a big car, but it was two doors. But Again, then they made a four-door version, and then the Mercedes has the CLS. Lies. lies. It's all lies. It's all lies. <laughs> well, it's, to me, it looks like from the side, Volkswagen didn't just buy International Scout. They also bought Eagle Talon because that one line that goes down the side of the car and the back end with the tail light, this is an Eagle Talon from the side. Dude, the and then it's, it's got this badge, GTX. There ain't nothing GT even related to the eye about this thing, man. Well, like, that's what the, the, the author says. They're like, don't be thinking this is like GTI because you're going to be disappointed. Don't be thinking. You know what it we, does And we covered though? this a long time ago. Oh, I forget what the whole GTX thing was supposed to be. Terrible. Yeah. But it does have a three-spoke steering wheel, though. Oh, so it, it has lineage in common with the Nissan R32. Perfect. Well, that's it's great. kind of a three-spoke. It's a split three-spoke. This goes so, back to the definition so of spoke again. It's a four-spoke. <laughs> <laughs> but only one of the spokes is split so it's a 3.2.5 but it shares a steering wheel with blah 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 <laughs> so if that wasn't disappointing enough there was another article that came across my desk this week which made me feel super old so so <laughs> I, I, old I, I was wondering how you were gonna react to this I, one. I, I cried a little because guess what folks the Golf R, which started with the R32, which is actually the successor of the Beetle RSI, now celebrates its 20th anniversary. And I bought one of these new. I would still have that car had it not been stolen. And then I realized, shit, it's a 20-year-old car. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah. I got real confused at first. I was like, 20th, like what? Like the 20th anniversary came out so long. What is this? What are they talking about? <laughs> well, the sad <laughs> part. And then I was like, holy crap, no, the R32 20th anniversary. Jesus. Right. Because the 20th anniversary GTI was in 2003, which makes the GTI's 40th anniversary next year in the United States. And I'm like, talk about feeling old, right? That's the mental gymnastics that I did. And I'm like, oh my God, the car that epitomizes, let's see, my personality my soul is as old as i am and i'm like this is terrible <laughs> that said i hate the new one they had the picture there r32 and the golf r's and i i just like to look at the r32 i was gonna say who wore it best i feel disrespected that sorry no, no offense five r32 in here all right all right i'm gonna call you out on this i remember a while ago I, used to the say car in the world yep was a mark five volkswagen and it wait was, suddenly it, but... i think 
the Mark V Jetta specifically, but the Mark V Golfs and GTIs and stuff too, they were terrible. They were ugly, ugly, ugly cars. When I when it first came out, I thought I was looking at the new Corolla. That's how terrible I thought it was. I thought someone took a Mark IV, they put like an air pipe onto it and just blew a bunch of air into it and expanded it. I think they're I think they're hideous. I will give you the taillights look like a Corolla. Yeah. But I also said that it was mainly the Jetta because it looked like a Corolla at the same time. Because they look so different from the front. Oh, they're completely different. They're completely different. Oh, okay. (laughs) One's a coupe. That's why. (laughs) It's a coupe. It's a grand coupe. (laughs) And the other's a liftback. Technically, it doesn't have a sloping back, so it is a hatchback and not a coupe. A coupe doesn't have a... It doesn't have. It's going to be no. So it's very simple in Volkswagen terms. The Scirocco is a coupe, and the Golf is a hatchback. End of story. But then the ID Five is a coupe. It is not. Riddle me that, Batman. It has four doors. We got to go back to this again. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, it's a five door, but you know, whatever. It is. What, what does Urban about. Dictionary say? Let's uh, go. We're to moving facts. on. That's what it says. It says stop this nonsense. Moral of the story: We don't like the Mark Eight. We think it's stupid. I'm not a fan. And, you know, and it goes against everything I've ever said that the even number generations, they got it right. And now I've been proven wrong. I hate it. I hate it. Maybe they're switching to odds and the Golf 9 is going to be amazing. Well, the the Golf is going to cease to exist at some point, right? I mean, let's face it. I mean, I'm biased, but I don't know. I, I like the R32 when they went with the big chariot wheels and then the, the air dam front bumper, the big low bumper in the front and the back and the little tail. I mean, it really cleaned the look up very the nice of the Mark IVs. The, Mark the Beetle IVs, was a coup. The Mark IV is the best looking. It's the best golfs, in my opinion. And I hated them at first, you know, but that's a whole nother story. We'll get into that at a later time. Mm-hmm. So we need to switch now to our domestic news brought to you in part by AmericanMuscle.com, your number one source for OEM and performance replacement parts for your Chevy, Ford, or Mopar. You probably noticed that we skipped over Stellantis, but we're not really skipping over them because we don't have a lot to say about Ford or Chevy this month for whatever reason. So we're going to talk a little bit more about Dodge, Chrysler, and everybody under that family tree. I've been watching a lot of the European, you know, social media feeds, following some of the magazines and other car markets and things over there. And I I get to see things that I salivate over that I know that we'll never get. And this has been going on for years. In the last year, there's been pitches and positions over a new CUV called a Tonale, or the Tonal, (laughs) if you want to pronounce it in the English way, by Alfa Romeo. And I said, oh, that's cute. Alpha's building another SUV. They already have the Stelvio. Who cares? In the last month, there's been pictures released of the Dodge Hornet. And I went, oh, that's the Alfa Romeo I've been looking at for the last year. Basically, that's exactly what it is. What I take issue with on the Hornet is the name. If you know anything about classic Mopars, muscle cars, whatever, this thing does not deserve this name. I'd rather you pick the Duster, the Shadow, the Spirit, any of those car names would be better than the Hornet for this CUV. That's just why, my opinion. Why can't this just be the new journey? That's what I was thinking too, right? I don't know why they chose Hornet. Maybe, again, this nostalgia play. Yep, exactly. Badge engineering. But the question is, does it have a three-spoke steering wheel? You know, I do not see any pictures of the inside, but I'm going to guess 
that it does have a three-spoke steering wheel because all the other cars on our list that we're talking about today have three-spoke steering wheels. So they are all direct descendants of Nissan's greatest car ever made, the R32 Skyline. You know it isn't, <laughs> but is also under the Stellantis banner, Peugeot. We don't talk a lot about French cars, and I personally do have an affinity for French cars. I think they're they're quirky. They're, they can sometimes be cute. They're a little odd. Don't talk to me about Citroëns. But, but, you know, I was going to say, what, what, what do you think of the uh, Dolce Vaux? Uh, you know the two CV. That's not the worst. It's the DS. But I'm gonna I'm gonna table that for now. Yeah, the Freaking. DS stands for D sucks. <laughs> Freaking cockroach on wheels. I hate that car. That said, we hinted last year. I think it was about this time on the drive through about the Peugeot Nine X Eight. If you ever noticed, Peugeot's got this interesting battle between Porsche and them for numbering their race cars. And apparently there were lawsuits years ago about using 900 series. You know, you can't use nine zero, can't do this, blah, 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 back and forth. So they are always poking a pointy stick at Porsche when they build their next race car. So the 9X8, it's real. It's been revealed. There's pictures of it. It's freaking awesome. I cannot wait to see this car at Le Mans. I can't wait to see a French brand in the LMDH class, fighting alongside of everybody else. I think this is going to be awesome. I think you're forgetting that Nissan did it a couple of years ago with the front-wheel drive, whatever the <laughs> heck that car was that barely made it a few laps. Is this front-wheel drive too? Uh, it is not. This is no. your classic <laughs> prototype layout, yes. yes. You know. yeah. They want this thing to actually survive more than the first third. Wait, 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 go back to what you just said. The classic prototype. Isn't the whole thing about prototype is, is, is this one of a kind? It's like there's no classic formula. It's something completely new in engineering and everything. How is there a classic prototype form? I mean, aren't they all spec classes now? They're all building to a certain design. I don't think LMP1 is. Well, does LMP1 even exist anymore? Uh, I think so. I don't know. (laughs) The jury is still out on whether or not Dodge will be entering a clone car running a different badge to have two cars in the field. Been teased a couple of times. The Dart. (laughs) Its number will be 2016. (laughs) <laughs> I'm really excited about that. I mean, obviously, we already have entries from Cadillac, Ferrari, Porsche, now Peugeot officially, and others. I mean, the LMDH class is stacking up for the 100th anniversary of Le Mans. And I, like I said, I cannot wait to be walking that paddock and seeing it in person. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. So my hat's off to them. Speaking of anniversaries, there's another Ooh. anniversary to celebrate. Happy birthday, Toyota. Yay. Uh, wait, what? Happy birthday, Toyota 4Runner. Oh God, how old is that? Am I going to feel like a dinosaur? It is the same age as us. years young edition. Oh God, really? 40th anniversary special edition 2023 Toyota 4Runner will be coming to a dealership near you. And it's limited to 40, 40 copies. (laughs) Okay, that's just lame. (laughs) (laughs) That's Toyota for you. But it's got some cool decals. In hey, man, it's coming wheels. with bronze 17-inch wheels. You know, I really what? feel like they missed an opportunity to use copper. They went a little throwback, though, with these tri-colored pinstriping, which isn't really pinstriping. They're really wide, but still the striping down the side. Right, the, right. Sun, the sunset striping, yeah. Mm. Which came on their campers and stuff, right? I mean, like, I don't know. Maybe the Forerunner had it, I guess, yeah. You yeah, know, some of the older Forerunners had it. So going back to my trip to the Peterson, as an example, remember we talked about the Alpha Wolf, that truck that looks like the original Forerunner from Back to the Future? I actually got to see it in person. And the, it is 100% the, legit what we thought it was. And it's freaking amazing. The truck from Back to the Future wasn't a Forerunner, though. 
was a Toyota? Yeah, the Forerunner's the SUV. It was like a T100 or something like that, or a Tacoma. It was not a Forerunner. That pickup truck? No. Because Granted, that other they're, company, they're... that one company is trying to make a knockoff one of it. What it, was is that, a, it was a Toyota SR5. SR5 is a package. SR5 pickup. That's what it's listed as. The Back to the Futures SR5 pickup truck. Oh, I see the original Forerunner. Ooh, that thing's ugly as shit. <laughs> Now, I do believe there was a forerunner. That you well, happy could- birthday to a forerunner. You have aged gracefully. You, you could take the back off of the forerunner, I think, from some of the early ones, kind of like you could with the old Broncos. This is knowledge. We are dropping truth bombs on you people left and right. Meanwhile, over in the Honda camp, this month's Break Fix guest, Annika Carter, reviews the 2023 Acura Integra for A Girl's Guide to Cars. So I wanted to get your guys' opinion on what you thought now that we've seen more pictures of it and looked at her article. I still stand beside my dislike of using the name Integra for this Acura TSX evolution. Don't you mean the the Acura Civic hatchback? <laughs> I thought it was the Honda Crosstour V6. Could be. It oh, is the, the red huge. interior, though. Really cool. Uh, the interior does look good. I will give it that. For a Honda, it is a step above what I expected. But looking at it in, in relation to other vehicles, her standing next to it, stuff like that, I was like, this thing is big. Like, really big. And they had the classic Integra there, like the original boxy first-gen Integra. And I'm like, man, that thing is microscopic in comparison to this thing. I don't know. I'm with Tanya. Three spokes steering wheel. Does it? Does it? Does it? Boom. Oh my gosh, you're right. It is going to sell millions. It is a derivative of the CRX because it has a three spokes. (laughs) What does this have in common with the CRX? Nothing. Um, (laughs) It weighs three times as much. And you can put one in the trunk. I will say the trunk space is reminiscent of the... 2000s Integras, the way they built a proper lift back, it looks humongous when you open that rear hatch. Whatever those cars, whatever the first photo of this car was, when the whisper started and there was that yellow photo, and it wasn't even like necessarily 360 views of anything. That first initial teaser photo, there was such promise there, such promise. And then we got the real photo of it. And it was like, what hot trash garbage is this? It looks nothing like this thing you teased us, which could have been really nice. But it says Integra. Well, then I want it to be different, but that's just me. It's dumb. So let's move on a little bit. We'll switch to random EVs and concepts that we might actually be excited about. So going back to my trip to California, I saw so many cars. I took probably 1,200 pictures if that was the low number on all the stuff that I took. And the Peterson was an amazing experience. I've never been to an auto museum that big, so pretty, just so many different things. And then I actually got access to the vault, which I thought was more interesting than the actual show floors themselves, because that's down in the basement. That's where they keep the cars, you know, that aren't on the floor or being changed in and out, all this kind of thing. There's really nice very well-educated docents downstairs. They can guide you around. They'll talk you through. you got questions about cars. I got to see the United Nude 
triangle five mile an hour golf cart thing that we talked about that sold for like a gajillion dollars. That's down there. Magnum PIs, actual Ferraris down there, the Batmobile, you know, all those kind of movie cars are down. This, uh, I got to see from Gotham Garage. Remember we talked about Rust to Riches and all that. Mark Towley's Mach 5 Corvette C4 based movie cars in there. And I got to see the Exner that he had built. I mean, I stood six inches from it and it was just like, wow, you know, to see all these cars in person that we talk about on this show that we read about or see on TV was amazing. I've never been to a museum like this before. I've been to other private collections, other museums, you know, usually those museums are a combination of private collections, but the Peterson is like top notch, which by the way, if anybody's listening to this, I have two tickets to the Peterson that I will mail you if you're interested, free admission that are good through the 30th of June. So email us at crewchief at gtmotorsports.org or call or text us at 202-630-1770 and I will send them out to you. First person to hit us up, they are yours free of charge. That said, I saw so many DeLoreans when I was in California. (laughs) The Peterson has one of the factory gold DeLoreans. And I got a picture of it and all that. That was really cool to see in person. I took some pictures for you, Brad, because remember, we've talked a lot about how tall is that car? How big is that car? Put it in reference to my height. It comes up to my waist <laughs> at 43 inches tall. It's so tall. So tall. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be lowered six inches in stock trim. It got me thinking, though, we talked a lot about last month, you know, they teased us the corner of the back end of the new DeLorean. It also got me thinking about the Cybertruck that we talked about with its misaligned body panels and its color mismatch and this and that. And I I started to think about it. I was like, maybe that color mismatch is on purpose because it was on purpose on the DeLorean. They had a hard time color matching the stainless steel to the front grill, right? The front grills are always like a darker color, you know, because they're painted versus the body color. I suddenly realized, you know, there's another car that has that same styling to it. And I wanted to go back and see if it came from the same design house as the DeLorean, you know, from Etal Design from Gijaro. And it turns out that the 1975 Lancia Beta Monte Carlo, which has that same panda bear look in the front with the two-tone nose and all that, was not penned by Gijaro. It was penned by Panin Farina. I started thinking, well, I wonder if Gijaro got his influence in the 70s when the DeLorean was being designed, right? Even though it came out in the 80s, if he got that from Pinin Farina. So 100% speculation there, right? It's a little trip down memory lane. It reminded me that I needed to revisit the website because Tanya had said they're going to be revealing more of the car as we get closer to Pebble Beach. Well, guess what? Pebble Beach is the week this episode releases. In four days, two hours, 51 minutes, and 54 seconds, 53 52. There's a countdown on the DeLorean website. Can we just say that, let's just give our impressions of the DeLorean as if we just saw it. Wow, the new DeLorean, it's freaking amazing. I gotta say, this is the best looking car I've ever seen next to the new Countach for me. I know people have their own thoughts of Countach, but whatever. This new DeLorean, oh my God, best looking car ever. Eric, what are your impressions of it? Have you seen the rear end? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm an ass man. Yes, I have. (laughs) I didn't know if you were being serious or not. (laughs) I was kind of being dumb, but also serious. (laughs) He's setting it up. All jokes aside, there is a new picture. It's more than just the quarter panel that's sitting waiting for you on DeLorean.com as you count away the minutes left to the official reveal at Pebble Beach. And I have to say, I'm a little confused. By what? 
It's, it says DeLorean right there. You're in the right place. I, I mean, I know what it is. <laughs> Here's what I don't get. The other picture we got gave me this almost, I don't know, fantasy of like the Nissan 400Z where it's like, oh my God, it's going to be. And then when I got the full perspective of the back, the cockpit looks really tight. It's got wide hips, mm-hmm. but it also doesn't look anything like the 2021 Etal design concept that was penned by uh, Angel Guerrera that they actually built one of, which I thought they were going to take that and modify for production use, which looks really, really cool. And I've posted pictures of both of these in the show notes so you guys can see it. The 2021 one-off concept is a gorgeous car. I thought they were going with that. Those front shots you see in the teaser video, they're doing this V thing with the gullwing door. So it's going to have this maybe beaky kind of nose like an Alfa Romeo, nothing like the concept car they built a year ago. So now I'm really confused. What is this new DeLorean going to look like? And I'm not sure if I'm going to like it. It's a Testarossa. That is the impression I get from it, 100%. I don't know. I'm just going to not get excited anymore. How about that? <laughs> I'm just going to leave this page up and I will revisit it on the 31st. And we're going to talk about it next month when we get to see all the pictures from Pebble Beach. So stay tuned, folks. Write in. Let us know what you think if you get to see the DeLorean before we do, because I don't know. I might need to be convinced. I'm really disappointed, though. Huh. You really just got to drive it. 100%. The real question is, does it have a three-spoke steering wheel? That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> I did figure out why the 2021 concept car wouldn't work though. If you look at it closely, it wasn't designed for gullwing doors. If that is the keystone centerpiece of the design, that prototype they did last year would have never worked. My guess is it was like a financial thing and they didn't want to pay the money for that design. The new one will probably be a four-door coupe. Lifted. It's going to be a a, a four-door lifted SUV. SUV. Speaking of what's old is new again. So Brad, we gave you an action item last month. Did you call some dealerships to see if you could buy a Dodge Dart? You know, I am going to disappoint our audience here. I did not get a chance to call any dealerships. I meant to call Chuck LaDuck, but I completely (laughs) forgot. So I'm going to have to table this discussion. Chuck, just know that I'm going to be giving you a call sometime within the next month. I'm hoping that you can tell me that you've got some new Dodge Darts for me to not buy. But I did go on cars.com and I checked to see if I could find a brand new Dodge Dart. They're not listed. <gasps> what? You, you this know is like what the first time in two years. No, I know. Well, because they finally sold all out. It only took them six years, but can still buy a brand new 2016 Dodge Viper ACR. Oh, really? How much? Only $800,000. Whoa. At Decozen Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. 800000 That's pretty good. Good mm-hmm. for them. Do they have a dealer rating of 4.2 on cars.com? Not bad. <laughs> Out of? Out of five. It's only 200 miles from here. So when we go to test drive the Nissan Z, why don't we just go ahead and make a detour up to Decozen Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram, see if we can take this bad boy out for a drive. More than you can afford, pal. Taxes. I found something interesting. You know, somebody wasted the time to put together a listicle called the best-selling cars from the year you graduated high school. Talk about things that make you feel old and depressed. This has got to be the saddest automotive article I've ever read. Oh, snap. Really? Let's take a trip on this road. I'm going to take a guess, Tanya, and say that the car of your year was the Toyota Camry. No. Oh, my gosh. It was the Chevy Cavalier. (laughs) 
So it's the best selling car by year for like 40 years or whatever. You just. Oh my God. Wait, let's scrap that. Who cares about your high school? Can we hone in on how the Ford Taurus was in 1992, 1993, 1994, 1995, 1996? Best selling car? Dang. Does that even matter? Because people didn't trust the Japanese. Starting in 1997 until now, everything listed is a Toyota Camry. No, not true. Not true. Not true. In 2001, the Honda Accord beat it probably by like three cars. I'm sorry. I mistook it for a Toyota Camry because they all look the same. How many of these are are beige? That would be Matt Yip's favorite thing. These are all terrible. Every one of these makes me sad. Wow. I mean, there is not a single impressive thing on here. That's not true. Hey, now the Oldsmobile Cutlass was the best selling in 1978 and 79 and 80 and 81. And then again in 83 with the Supreme. Only because it got ousted by the Ford Escort. I mean, come on. These are all terrible. You know, here's an honorable mention. It only shows up once on this list. The only car I think to show up once on this list. The Celebrity. The Celebrity. Look at that. Look at that. That is the worst. 1986 Chevy Celebrity. That is trash. I'm with Tanya, though. How the hell did the Taurus beat out the Accord and the Camry for like four straight years? None of this. You know, they they went to the bubble Taurus and that's what None of this. Okay. I want to know, really, 1987 Ford Escort, you're showing the GT version. Really? I don't remember ever seeing GT Ford Escorts on the road. They were always the hideous. They were always the hideous, like the 88 version. That picture would have been even funnier if the guy was driving from the right seat and not the left, because then it would have been like, oh, okay. Again, this is the worst automotive journalism ever. Thanks, car and driver. Wow. I mean, it is what it is. If those were the top selling car, the sales numbers are the sales numbers. Yeah, I mean, it's you, you it's not the, the journalist's fault. Although I must say 2016, I really would have thought it would have been the Dodge Dart. These are like the best selling cars in middle America. I don't understand where they got these numbers from because it, it, never mind. Never mind. We've already done the world map. Remember we did that last year where it's like best-selling cars on the planet. It's like all Toyotas and somehow it's like Dacia Senderos or whatever. Fine. But the Ford, whatever, get out of here. Hey, at least it wasn't an Impala. You know, my expectations are completely lowered. So lowered expectations. We don't Uh, have anything. Just a a little update, though. Uh, The DeLorean will be revealed in four days, two hours, 41 minutes, and 37 seconds. 36, 35, 34, 33. Do we have Tesla news? Are we remiss? You know. I'm okay with being remiss. Might be the first time. Really not highlighting anything. It's not to say that there isn't any Tesla news. I mean, there's Elon Musk news. Yeah, can, can we do Tesla? <laughs> can, can we go Inception style and do car adjacent to Tesla adjacent news? I mean, you know, he's under some allegations now at the moment, and apparently, like, suddenly we've Tesla has hired all these like magnificent lawyers. It's like really the same time that you're being accused of misbehavior. Okay, whatever. I thought we were, thought we were going to talk about his purchase of. Twitter. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. There's that too. Tweet, 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 tweet. Which didn't is like on hold. A, didn't he say it was a flaming pile of crap? Uh, lots of things. 
He says lots of things though. I, I I don't know that that was on hold. Twitter put hiring freezes in and all kinds of stuff. Apparently, like it, it's on hold until they show him the bot accounts or something. I don't know. Yeah, because I guess he was under the impression that it had more genuine accounts than it actually does. The value is probably inflated because of the bot users. Yeah, and now there's so much orchestration that you're posting once and it's going everywhere. I mean, come on, social media, whatever. Let's talk about cars. Nobody wants to talk about Twitter. If anybody well, uses Twitter, I tweet me if you use Twitter, all right? At, well, at GT Motorsports 14, hook me up. I would be Where's remiss if I didn't. I would be remiss if I didn't say this. So apparently they're rolling out an update to the autonomous driving magnificence. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> they've been doing that beta testing. How many spokes uh, does that steering wheel have? God, not enough. It's got a steering wheel? None. Wh- which one has that dumb yoke thing now or whatever? Because well, you don't need a steering wheel. You don't need a, a traditional round steering wheel, right? Have you seen the car where the, tr- where the steering wheel slides across the front? I believe so we it can talked be about that. Right hand drive or left hand drive. And this and no no no, this is a new transformer thing. I saw it. And then the seats can rotate. So it can be a one seater, a two seater. Like it's bizarre. I mean, for, uh, imagine you generate on, more seats. Imagine you're on a road trip and you're like, oh man, I'm getting sleepy. You know, I'm driving. And your passenger's like, oh, I got this. Slide steering wheel over and you in the driver's seat. So <laughs> really so what if you're both sleeping and you, you just throw your hands in the air and say, Jesus, take the wheel. Does it just automatically you, you, go you hope the that, heavens? You, you hope that there's not an emergency vehicle on the side of the road for your car to crane into. That's the to secret leave. Tesla command now to activate. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> exactly. It's like open butthole all over again. <laughs> but speaking of Jesus taking the wheel, there is new promises that this time next year, you will not need a human to babysit pilot your tesla we are there folks so we're just gonna all autonomous level nine thousand gazillion will be here one year approximately approximately (laughs) (laughs) give or take two decades take 10 (laughs) yeah what's what's the standard deviation are we are we playing cornhole i mean what the hell is this we're playing butthole Jesus, take the wheel. So, so wait. Does take this my mean, three spokes steering wheel. So, so if we don't need a human, does this mean I can just program my car to go to the grocery store and get my milk for me and then bring it back? Oh snap! You know you're right because curbside pickup used to be like Tesla. Jesus, take the Tesla to the curbside pickup and then bring it back. That's great. Just go ahead and put it. Yeah, just go ahead and put the milk in the passenger seat. It's fine. And no Jesus, offense to Jesus, Jesus is driving. No offense to Jesus. Let's just put that out there. So he's laughing too because he's like, his only God knows when this is going to happen. <laughs> he knows it's not. <laughs> Jesus is like, I want nothing to do with that fool. <laughs> I tried to tell him, but he didn't take the sign. I showed hmm. up in his toast and he wasn't listening. <laughs> wow. And on that note, I gave him the three spoke steering wheel and everything. <laughs> Momo just announced. We only make four spokes doing this. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, so we, we, we are remiss. We have no lowered expectations. What are the rich people up to? The rich people are up to buying more Lego sets. 
so they bought all the collector cars they can now they're built they're buying <laughs> fake cars <laughs> no but you know sometimes prices for legos are a little bit pricey so we dump this one in the rich people thing this is the you have disposable income thing. yeah this is definitely up there <laughs> not necessarily off par probably with the lego prices but for a mere 399 dollars and 99 cents you too can own this 3778 lego piece set of the ferrari daytona sp3 to quote donovan for garage ride on this one it's about damn time somebody at lego was a motorsports enthusiast (laughs) they got a lot of new sets coming out that speed category theme if you will they go by themes the speed theme speed champions is what it's called it's exciting to see that grow so can you actually buy this from lego or with like every other ferrari you have to sign up and get on ferrari's special waiting list and you have to buy it directly from ferrari and then you don't actually buy it they just lend it to you when you want to play with it then you got to give it back when the new one comes then out. you got to give it back when the new one comes out to stay on the good side it is legitimately on lego's website coming soon so it's not up for pre-order or available yet but it is there on their website, along with the Ferrari 488 GTE number yeah, 51. That, that one's been out for a while. I've seen that one in person. As well as the retired, unfortunately, you can't buy this one, Ferrari F40. Womp womp. Now, car related as well. If you're a Transformers geek, Lego is also going to be revealing on June 1st the Optimus Prime lego sets i am excited about that because if they make optimus prime it means they have to make other characters like megatron and starscream and jazz and wheeljack and all those right they gotta all be car related though unfortunately now for a price comparison the optimus prime which does not bring the cab which i'm a little bit disappointed with so for 169.99 and 1500 1508 1500 pieces 170 so okay it's about the size of the voltron that they did right it stands at in truck mode it's five and a half inches tall ten and a half inches long and four and a half inches wide and when he's standing he's 13 and a half inches tall i think voltron was about 18 inches tall so but yes i'm very excited i want this (laughs) and then she shall have it this is a truck i shall have Middle class people doing middle class things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Still playing with their action figures. What's yeah. up? So well, we're moving on to Florida. I think we're moving south. I know. This is sad. So this person had just purchased a 2006 Heritage Edition 4GT for $704,000 from a Barrett Jackson auction. And this is like golf color livery. And, and drove he, it off the golf course and crashed it. <laughs> was, quote, unfamiliar with how to drive stick shift. That's the best part. Why do you buy a car with a manual if you don't know how to drive a stick? Was it Jerry Stiller? Is that who it was? Is he driving through Del Boca Vista? I mean, if you look at the pictures, he looks like he's driven through the golf course like the guy did last month while he was evading the police, burying his car in the water hazard and all that well, stuff. Here's the question. How unfamiliar are you with driving stick shift that you totaled this $704,000 vehicle probably about five minutes after you bought it at 35 miles an hour? The problem is the wheels were engulfed in smoke because he dumped the clutch 
And that was the end of that, right? If you've ever watched anybody with like their first time behind the wheel of a Toyota Camry, all the herky jerky, and then finally they get frustrated and they dump it. It's probably exactly what he did. He looped the car off the golf course and down into the ravine. And that was the end of that. I mean, he alleges, I don't want people to think I was racing at 90 miles an hour. I was going 35. 100 RPM. Yes. <laughs> the crash occurred as he shifted up into second gear from first, not while downshifting, as the official report had said. Guarini claims old tires, muddy pavement, and a fresh detailing were all factors, causing the 550 horsepower supercar to swing out and hit a tree. Not stupidity. At which point it triggered multiple airbags disabled the vehicle and caused it to slide far enough after hitting the tree that it blocked a sidewalk <laughs> again oh my god those people aren't going to be able to get around for hours i mean how unfortunate i do like the comment here forget his license they need to revoke his man card well hold on a second speaking of the license he was issued a citation for driving with a suspended license so he shouldn't have even been driving the car to begin with was driving the- on the sidewalk like that chick that drove the uh, the big wheel you know she lost her license when she was in college because of drunk driving so she was driving a big wheel down the sidewalk to get to the bars what's the statistics on the number of suspended licenses in florida i mean he might not be in a minority well allegedly it was a clerical error he says okay no. well it's going to cost him 700 grand to fix that car beautiful car by the way but yeah that's unfortunate to see he's, that happen he's going to repair it then he's going to sell it on craigslist garage kept never wrecked <laughs> <laughs> you don't bring a trailer no, no low balls i know what i got <laughs> yeah exactly speaking of escaping the heat we're going to go straight into the heat in texas there is a youtube clip of a hit and run Probably when you're thinking hit and run, like, oh, you know, dude sideswipe somebody, God forbid, if they hit a person, literally, in the hit and run. None of these things. Sort of these things. You'd think this was Florida, but it was Texas. Someone on the highway in the main roads caught video camera, I guess, dash cam video of, like, parallel highway roads, some exit ramps of this I don't even know what car it is because it's too far away to see, but it looks like it's probably like an Altima or something like that. Ford Taurus. Was it a Ford Taurus? It was an Impala, people. It was a goddamn Chevy Impala. (laughs) (laughs) That would be perfect. That would be perfect for this story. He just came back from Home Depot. And I guess some people would say, well, hey, there's the reason why you need a pickup truck because you got to haul some wood. And if you had a pickup truck, you could have put it in the bed. Not straight out the side of the car through the windows, so you it's know, he, sticking out. He probably, even with the pickup truck, he still would have done it this way. Are, are, probably, we talking, are we talking perpendicular to the car? We're talking perpendicular to your direction of the drivetrain of the car, yes. So they made a T. Okay, okay, I see the logic here. Wait, they're eight foot two by fours. And a lane, I think, is about eight feet. I, I got to double check my. Oh, no, these these look like 12 or 14 foot <laughs> two by fours. Stand corrected. So, this MFR, because, sorry, folks, <laughs> that's what this person is. He's going at a clip with his 12 by fours hanging out through the glass. And he proceeds to miscalculate his spacing, of course. And there's like wood posts. <laughs> And like signs, and he starts wiping them out, and the car buck. 
brakes. And then he hits this poor SUV that's standing in a backed up lane of traffic trying to like exit. And he just like broadsides it with the 12 by four, keeps going as if nothing happened, just keeps driving down the road. Maybe he's unconscious because the wood like bashed him in the head because it was probably like going straight through the driver's window and not even the backseat window. He was still steering though. I would have talked about on autopilot. Jesus the Tesla. Who's the Tesla? <laughs> this is unofficial. I want to talk about the guy at Home Depot that helped him load the wood through the windows of his car. Are you liable at that point if you're Home Depot? Because I once had a Costco person tell me they wouldn't load something because they couldn't be responsible for it being loaded incorrectly. I didn't know Costco sold mulch. <laughs> it was not mulch. <laughs> it was not mulch. <laughs> Only the finest. <laughs> the finest signature Kirkland's mulch for me. <laughs> <laughs> Redwood mulch. Although, you know, could you return the mulch at the end of the season if you were unhappy with it? <laughs> Only if you're a gold customer. That's the Walmart return policy. <laughs> no, that's Costco's as well. You can return anything at any point in time. That's, that's <laughs> Nord- Nordstrom too. Half-used bag of mulch. I didn't like this. I need a refund. <laughs> All right. Well, don't be that idiot. Don't let those Home Depot people load your car. You know, who knows who it was. Next time you need to buy some Longwood, Mr. Ultima, Tesla, Impala driver, probably Impala driver. (laughs) Just call Uber Eats. They'll deliver. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're a woodchuck. Miss your dinner. I I can't use these Grubhub coupons people sent me for anything. So I might as well use them at Home Depot. I need more fiber. All right, so let's go north. We're just going to ping pong around the country here. Local to some folks in the DMV area in Glen Burnet. If you're in the know, you know it's Glen Burnet and not Glen Burnie. We fancy. Fancy. In the Glen Burnet. How, how, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Not so well, these people, I would say, because if you went in to the fuel station to fill up your car and unknowingly filled it with diesel fuel, I'd say you had a bad day. In the Glen Burnet. <laughs> apparently, womp womp. Apparently, that's what's happened at a Shell station. Come on, Shell, be better. Someone, I guess probably the, the trucker that came in to fuel the, the tanks, mistakenly put diesel fuel where the gasoline should be. Womp womp. That's real bad. Who's liable there? Did they give you a new motor for all the ones that just blew up? Ah, these are great questions. Although, what I, car was this that the repair cost was only $800? It was a Chevy Spark. It was an Impala. Let's be it's real. Impala. The motors are junk. They just Wait. gave her a whole new car for $800. It says she said a blue Chevy Spark. Start no, the Spark is oh. the B-Spec the monster. Oh, yeah, monster. The Spark is our favorite new B-Spec car. True, true. Yeah, so be careful. I mean, there's not much you can do because unless you could tell the smell was different as soon as you started pumping like you wouldn't know so that's really unfortunate at least maybe it was only relegated to one car if it was multiple cars that would have been terrible but you know they use a shared pumping system so there's no way that unless it was a tiny gas station that you know not every pump was affected by that i mean the cleanup costs alone were probably oh i mean that is a nightmare they probably just had to 
trash all of everything that was in those tanks and then have to get them cleaned and all that. Well, they could have probably pumped the fuel into the diesel tanks because it wouldn't have diluted it that much by volume, depending on how much was in there, if they combined with other diesel. And if they didn't have enough room, because let's be real, you know, you go to the station and there's 12 gasoline pumps and there's one diesel pump. Yeah. There's a lot of truckers getting free diesel that day then or something to get it out of there. So I will say this is a good PSA, something I learned, you know, from similar stories. You sniff the handle before you put it in your car? <laughs> no, you know, you're very close. No, always, you lick it. always keep your receipt from pumping gas because if something is to happen, you need proof of purchase. Now she said she filed a complaint with Shell Corporate and she hasn't heard back yet. Not surprised. She continued because... to drive the car with a bad knocking sound, so. Because it probably wasn't pure diesel, like you all were alluding to. It was probably a mixture of gasoline and diesel. But Which at that point, you could pump some of it out of the tank, thin it out in the system, you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah, but the damage might have already been done if it was misdetonating, right? True, but that spark motor isn't like, you know, a Ferrari engine where you're worried about yes, it is. high tolerances and things like that. But still, whatever. Purebred race car that the spark is. But anyway, just... Keep your receipts from the gas station in case they do F up like this. Just it, it gives you some sort of proof that you were there. And smell the nozzle first. It's good for you. <laughs> or, or taste. No, do not taste it. Do not taste it. Do not smell it either. We don't recommend that. <laughs> but speaking of, would you say sports cars, something like that? High powered mm-hmm. machines. Mm-hmm. We're going to jump across the ponds to Europe to another butthole that decided to take their Maserati on a little joyride through Rome. Oh, that sounds like fun. Are we talking like the old rendezvous movie where the guy at three in the clock in the morning is driving his Ferrari or Mercedes? There's all sorts of speculation, you know, through the streets of France at high speed to meet with his lover for the sunrise. No, how beautiful would that have been? No, instead, this was an asshat who decided to drive his Maserati down the famous and historic Spanish steps. Oh, dang. Didn't they do that in a Bond movie? Yes, but in the Bond movie, I'm sure that was fake and didn't cause damage. Oh, dang. (laughs) This is part of history. At any rate, it's only going to cost 1.5 million euros or approximately 1.6 million US dollars to restore these steps. Man, so or actually, sorry, they, are they already, these steps already went under a restoration that cost that much. They were recently restored at the tune of 1.6 million US dollars. And now this person drove down them and destroyed them. He wanted them to look like they did before. So he figured he'd just drive his car down there. I mean, there's something to say about that. I mean, and the question is how drunk was this person, I guess. He was taking a shortcut. The funny thing is like, there's surveillance camera and like, dude stops, like the middle of the steps. At what point did you realize this was a bad idea? I guess halfway down the staircase? We're not talking like three steps, staircase, lots of stairs. I've been to the Spanish steps. It is big. You could go down it in a car. You could definitely go down it in a dirt bike or a motorcycle or something, but I wouldn't Just because you it. can doesn't, doesn't mean you should. should. Yeah, you should really just go down it on foot. Florida Man is brought to you by What Not To Do. Now, unfortunately, we'll end on a less funny note. Very disturbing note. And a very just like, I cannot believe. (sighs) It's a very sad thing that happened. A Jeep owner dropped his Jeep off at the dealership. We're going to get an oil change done. You know, nothing atypical here, right? Well, unfortunately, this turned into a huge tragedy when the 19-year-old mechanic who was going to do the work, I guess, didn't know, again, was unfamiliar with driving a stick shift went to move the car in the bay 
a more senior mechanic, 42 years old was, I do not know why you would do this, but was standing in front of the vehicle. And I guess he lurched it forward and whatever happened, whatever those circumstances were, he struck that man and he ended up dying from that hit. That is very tragic, unfortunate to happen. The worst, well, not the worst part. The worst part was this man died, but the unfortunate icing on this cake, the guy that dropped off the Jeep who had nothing to do with this is being sued for the death of this man. And I do not understand. Wait, 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 this... wait, 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 what? I... Yes. Yes. There is a lawyer for the victim's family and they are suing the owner of the Jeep, not the 19 year old mechanic or the dealership. They're suing the unsuspecting, uninvolved patron to the dealership. Not the guy that didn't know how to drive a stick and apparently didn't have a driver's license. This is insane. Fox News, whatever. You must be suing the dealership, they asked the lawyer. We can't because of a legal standard that's involved. Because the accident happened at work and involved two employees, you can't sue the boss in that situation. What? I don't understand why they're suing anybody at this point, like other than the 19-year-old. This doesn't make any sense. I clearly don't understand these laws or aware of how they're written, but I think it's absurd. And I hope that a judge would just take this and be like, out of my courtroom, because this is ridiculous. I mean, the closing thought on this is insane, right? Where Fox News comes back and says, so you're suing the owner of the car who's getting his oil changed. You had nothing to do in this case. And the lawyer says, I have to do that. It's the law. Wait a minute. So they're going to go to court on this. They're going to fight it. Obviously, this unsuspecting owner is like whatever. And the attorney comes back and says, again, you know, when you hand your car over to anybody, including the valet or person at the service desk at your local dealership, you better be able to trust that person. I grant that I don't I don't take my car very often to a dealership or any third party mechanic, but that never even crossed my mind that if they took my car, like it's common practice for a dealership to take your car for a test drive after they've done a repair, they'll drive around the block or something. So you're saying they are involved in vehicular manslaughter and I get sued and I was sitting at home. Or they rob it's, a bank and you go to jail because you're the getaway car. I mean, okay. it, it all is turtles. So from that. there's a link to another article within this article. Ooh, Inception. Basically, basically, it's because there's a statute known as owner's liability. That means the owner of the car is legally responsible. That's if bullshit. The owner, if the owner gave permission to the driver to drive the car, the owner is negligent. That's but the, the owner, owner didn't give permission to the 19-year-old. He Maybe gave it to the though. service manager. Possibly. Then if that's the case, I want everybody that's going to be touching my car that I need to sign consent that they're allowed to drive it. That doesn't happen at the dealership. When I turn the car over, some schmuck behind a desk writes me up, copies my VIN, scans the thing. I don't know who's jumping in that car. I didn't approve for them to drive it. The law is called vicarious liability. It means the owner is automatically liable for the negligence of the driver. Bullshit. You know what this tells me? You know what this tells me? Never, ever, 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 ever let anybody else drive your car. Thousand percent. Never take it to the dealership. Never, 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 never. I don't, I can't say enough nevers. That's the most absurd. Like that law needs to be changed. I get it. You let your friend drive your car and they do some bullshit or something. Maybe that's a different law, but like you're taking your car to a service. You can't do it yourself. You don't have any other choice a lot of times and you're on the hook. That's not right. There there needs to be some other clause in here that says, no, it's the responsibility of that dealership or that mechanic 
company, whatever. I, I just my boggles my piss me off when I read this. So, so so let's see. What can the Jeep owner do separately from a lawsuit from the Hawkins family? The owner of the Jeep has some options too. He can and has sued the dealership. So basically, they're suing the Jeep owner, and then the Jeep owner can go back and sue the dealership. So uh, is this just a dumb Red Robin thing? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. sue me, but I'm gonna sue him. So really, yes. I'm I'm the the funnel. For your yeah, money? Yeah, so he's, he's the middleman. And basically, it goes on the Jeep owner's insurance. They pay out as much as they're willing to pay out. And then the dealership is responsible for the remaining, which, by the way, the lawsuit is for $15 million. The insurance company has already paid out $100,000. So the dealership, with all these different lawsuits and Peter suing Paul, is on the hook for $14.9 million. And in the meantime, this is now flagged on your insurance and no one's ever going to insure you again because you have a $15 million lawsuit against you? I mean, that involves vehicular manslaughter? I mean, come on. Yeah, this is this is just a terrible story. Basically, know the laws wherever you live. And learn to change your own oil. Yes, and learn to change your own oil. It's not that expensive and it doesn't take that much time. It's actually cheaper than taking it to the dealer. And everybody gets aggravated. Oh, you have to go to the dealer all day, wait for an oil change. It would have taken you an hour and you could have bought all the supplies you needed at Walmart. But whatever. Yeah, but what happens when you have to take your car into a service that's bigger than an oil change? Well, you know, that's fine. But this oil change is going to cost this guy, unsuspecting or otherwise, a lot of money. He's not going to get away scot-free. He's wasting his time. He's having to go into courtrooms. Yeah, he He's had to dealing hire with a lawyer. Premiums are going to go up. Lawyer. It's insane. I mean, this is going to cost, you know, that $19 oil change or whatever that the dealer promised him is going to cost him six figures, if not more. It's insane. The last line of this article, when you hand your car over to anybody, including the valet or the person at the service desk at your local dealership, you better be able to trust that person. Yeah, I'm going to trust somebody. I don't even know their name to drive my, oh my God. This story just gets me all kinds of irritated and upset and angry for this cheap owner. I'm sorry, dude. And on that note. Well, I guess it's time that we go behind the pit wall and talk about motorsports news. Before we do, just an update. The DeLorean reveal is in four days, two hours, eight minutes, and 27 seconds. 26. 25, 24, 23, 22, 21. And we're going to talk about two disciplines simultaneously. And generally, these two disciplines don't go together. And that's NASCAR and Formula One. They should go together. Aren't there plenty of Formula One drivers that have made the transition to NASCAR? Juan Pablo Montoya comes to mind. Well, I mean, there is the guy from um, Ricky Bobby and then uh, Cole Trickle. Cole Trickle, exactly. (laughs) But what are we really on about? Kimi Raikkonen making his return to the motorsports world. The Iceman. Yes. And he's going to be driving what, Brad? A NASCAR number 91 Chevrolet Camaro at the Watkins Glen International Raceway up in Watkins Glen, New York. So he's going to run on a road course in a NASCAR. So that'll be interesting. Well, it's a limited road course. It's not the full. He's not going to do the toe and, and all that jazz. But this seems to be a new concept that Trackhouse Racing is pushing to put more overseas drivers, Formula One drivers, and IndyCar drivers alike in NASCAR Cup Series stock cars. I want to know if he's going to be using a three-spoke steering wheel. They have that pad in the middle. You seen those? You know? That would be new for him, though, right? It's true. Do they even have spokes on their steering wheels? They're like rectangles with handles on them. Yeah, with about 500 buttons. You're right. Nobody knows what they do. <laughs> buttons and switches. I mean, good for Kimmy. 
is NASCAR that desperate? That's my question. His retirement, he must have got really bored really quickly. You see it all the time. I mean, Mika Hakkinen went to WRC and Olivier Panis went to Touring Car. And I mean, there's, there, I mean, they go wherever they go, right? Valentino Rossi is left motorcycle racing to go racing cars. He's the SRO. Okay. Yeah. So Kimi Raikkonen is going to be driving NASCAR and Watkins Glen. Uh, I mean, I guess I would watch that NASCAR race just because it's something different. When is that race? It's in the article. Has NASCAR season started? That's how much I pay attention to NASCAR. <laughs> I know the answer is yes. I thought NASCAR started in February. Wrong answer. NASCAR season never ends. Then how do you know when it begins? NASCAR. It's a never ending story. Okay. NASCAR is going to be at the Glen August the 20th. When are we at the Glen? We are at July. the Glen July the 21st to the 24th. About a month early. Darn. Well, since we brought up Formula One, you two are the resident experts, and I'm just going to bring up a couple of things that I noticed this past month. And we got to start with the Miami Grand Prix. You mean Monaco Light? <laughs> with the fake <laughs> marina and all that other stuff going on there. The thing about that that I thought was ironic the Miami Grand Prix boss, he admits to being shocked by the financial loss that they took on the race. And I'm like, yeah, you went out of your way to build this ridiculous track with all this fake stuff like Disney World, but you oversold the ticket sales and yet you still lost money. I mean, a race in its first year, especially in a new place, isn't going to make money. It's going to make money in its third year because then you're still paying down the investment. But I mean, what did he expect? You know, I got to say the Miami Grand Prix, the spectacle, the fake marina and all that jazz. The helmets. Is, that's exactly what you would expect from a South Florida rendition of the French Riviera Grand Prix. <laughs> Which Monaco is coming up this weekend, by the way. And I thought that the uh, the helmets were the coolest part. You know, Lando with his basketball, Danny Rick with his Ace Ventura thing, you know, all that stuff, you know, really lending itself to Florida and whatnot. I, I didn't watch the race. I know you guys did. I don't even remember it. The track was that good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Underwhelming. Because yeah. I didn't hear much from our members as well. I mean, normally there's a big hubbaloo about every race. And this, I that, think the, the one thing, thing I heard was this track is trash. Lots of things that I heard were it was basically the fire festival of the F1 season. Yeah, but at least it happened, right? Because fire festival has yet to go off. Oh, it's okay. No, He's out of jail. Fire, so the fire festival actually happened. They got a whole bunch of rich people together on an, an island in a foreign country. There was no music, but they had a festival. Uh, for a minute there, I thought you were going to talk about Ibiza off the coast of Spain, but you know, hey, whatever. Yeah, no, awesome. no, they were down in South America somewhere. Uh, let me just call up my buddy Jaw Rule and see if I can get the details. I'm trying to think. I, I think it was a pretty boring race. Like nothing really. I say boring race, and there was like five DNFs, but. <laughs> Oh, is that, that's, no, that's not the race where Schumacher and like Vettel crashed each other out. No, that was this past weekend. Or that no, was the no, Spanish yeah. Grand Prix. No, no, Vettel and yeah, I think Vettel and Schumacher was this race. Okay. And it didn't, I'm looking at so, a picture right here. Of, uh, so Vettel took himself, well, Vettel got taken out, but Schumacher kept going, I think. Probably, yeah. That's also the race where Vettel claims that he got robbed. <laughs> <laughs> while he was there at the Spanish Grand Prix. And laughingly, I heard from somebody going, did he also claim that they stole his talent at the same time? <laughs> I was like, that's a good one. That's really good. That's clever. So that race was a good race. The, but the Miami, not so much. 
that I don't, I can barely remember it. I, I do I, remember thinking it was boring. Everyone yeah. spread out and like that. But how is it going to be portrayed in seasons five and six of Tribe to Survive? Because all the drama llamas are going to be so excited to see the behind the scenes of the Miami Grand Prix. Well, there'll be basketball helmets and butt slaps and all that stuff. <laughs> Well, it is confirmed that there is going to be a fifth and sixth season of Drive to Survive, which I'm not going to watch on Netflix because I'm. Which will be interesting to see if if they've taken any of the uh, feedback from F1 to tone down their dramatizations. I'll put it this way, and I don't watch the show, but I was thinking about that because we talked about it last month or the month before. If you took the drama away from Drive to Survive, all you'd have left is a boring F1 race. So just watch the F1 race. Well, if you took the drama out of it, you'd have season one and most of season two, I would say. And then like, I haven't watched the fourth one yet, but they definitely increase it in the later seasons. So the bigger question is with all this drama, is Ferrari cheating? What's all this Uh, nonsense about the tires? Considering, unfortunately, the car died (laughs) in the Spanish GP. No, I don't think they're cheating. At least they weren't in that race. Uh, let me guess. Christian Horner started poking his nose into what Ferrari's doing, saying the Ferrari was cheating. I guess because Mercedes and Toto Wolff are out of the way right now. I mean, Although Mercedes did a lot better in this race. George Russell did get a podium. He did. Had an unfortunate incident not happened with Hamilton at the very beginning. I would question whether or not he would have been on the podium. Uh, oh, you mean before he ran into Schumacher? No, before K-Mag took him out on like oh, oh, K-Mag, yes. 0.5 of the lap. I don't think it was K-Mag that did it, though. It was Hamilton drove into him. No. Guys, none of that matters because Leclerc wrecked Lauda's 70s F1 car at the Monaco Grand Prix, too. Right? That was but not his fault. The, the brakes up, exploded yeah. upon braking. <laughs> And he had no brakes. You think you would check those things before sending a vintage car out onto the track? Well, blame whoever the heck is the steward of Lauda's car. Apparently, they don't have enough checklists. Apparently not. There's a still shot of it, and you can see the brake pads or the road or whatever. I mean, it was just like you just saw like this explosion. You could see the parts like out of the car, and it was like, and then he hits the wall. How much is that going to cost to fix? I mean, it's been wrecked before, so... (laughs) Well, the last bit of Formula One news that came across our desk, the FIA clears Aston over Red Bull's F1 similarities after an investigation. What Aren't these cars all the same? No. Well, I mean, Aston was in trouble last year as well for allegedly copying the Mercedes design. Basically, they're like the Hyundais of the F1 <laughs> sport because they see what everybody else is doing that's successful, and then they copy it on their own designs. I think allegedly last year, they said that Aston bought the previous year's design for the Mercedes car, and that's why they were doing so well. This reminds me of Queen versus Vanilla Ice. Dun, yes. dun, 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 Not dun, 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 Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Got it. <laughs> well, I guess it's time we wrap up with some local news. Upcoming local news and events brought to us by CollectorCarGuide.net, the ultimate reference for car enthusiasts. First off, our apologies for the incorrect location of the Porsche Swap Meet last month. All the info on Collector Car Guide was correct. The Porsche Swap Meet is no longer held in Hershey, but in Carlisle. So look for that event to be held there next year and beyond. We still ended up in Hershey and had a great time. So I just, I just wanted to add that. Well, good for you. 
Did you see any three-spoke steering wheels? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't belong to Nissan's, though. The legendary R32. So let's see what's coming up for June. We have the 6th annual Chesapeake Bay Motoring Festival on Saturday, June 4th on beautiful Kent Island, Maryland. Sunday, June 5th marks the 6th annual Real Steel Car and Truck Show in East Berlin, Pennsylvania. If you have time to take off from work, join the Northeast Quattro Club as they take a three-day extended cruise to Wampum, Pennsylvania, home of Pit Race, for some activities there, Monday, June 6th through Wednesday the 8th. Two big events being held at Dominion Raceway, the Souls for Souls event on June 10th and 11th, as well as the Cars Late Model Stock Tour on June 18th. GM Carlisle and the Chevelle Nationals are being held on June 24th. Corvette Club is holding its first autocross of the season at a new location, Prince George's Stadium in Bowie, Maryland on June 26th. Side note, I will not be making that one, but I will be making the one in October, and I've got a couple other people coming with me. More news on that one coming later. And the first of many Independence Day celebrations to be held is Freedom Fest 2022 on June 26th in Frederick, Maryland. And tons more events like this and all their details are available over at CollectorCarGuide.net. That's right, Brad. And it's time for the HPDJunkie.com trackside report. So what's coming up in June? I found some interesting news coming out of Summit Point Motorsports Park. Guess what? For the second time in about five years now, Summit Point has been sold. The announcement came earlier this week. Yeah. The Zader Holdings Company was purchased by Parsons Group, a federal systems integrator. They announced today that they are acquiring Zader and Summit Point Motorsports Park and the Summit Point training facility is not part of the sale. So they're being basically divested from that. The current owners of Zator will continue to own Summit Point and the current staff and management, people like Edwin, who we interviewed earlier this year, will remain in place. Jeff Johnson, the current Zader vice president, will continue to lead the efforts and the long-term commitment to motorsports at Summit Point. So that's good news for us. It just means a change in branding. All that Zader stuff will come off of the signs. Who knows what they'll be called next week. But Summit Point is here to stay, at least for the foreseeable future. You can come and join GTMers at Pocono Raceway on Sunday, June the 5th with EMRA, the Eastern Motor Racing Association, where they'll be running the Pocono Raceway Southeast configuration with NASCAR Turn 1. Some news from Hooked on Driving, they are happy to announce that they've added yet another NJMP date at Thunderbolt on June the 24th, and it will be an open track day for solo drivers. They said, come on and off as you wish. It'll be a nine to six open track day with a one hour lunch break. They are limiting this to 50 cars. So that's going to mean a massive amount of open space on Thunderbolt, which is an extremely technical track. One of my favorites, as a matter of fact. And they've also opened their novice run group for the July 7th through 8th and July 31 through August 1 events at NJMP. These were solo only before. Now they're including a novice group and they're opening up both of those events. So look for more details on hookedondriving.com under the Northeast region for details on how to register for those events. In case you missed out, check out the other podcast episodes that aired this month. After 40 years as a leader in the car care industry, Chuck Bennett, founder of Zymol, helps us understand why sometimes it's not the car you need, it's the car that needs you. Accompanied by a Patreon mini-sode called Einstein's Packard, where Chuck tells us more great stories about famous peoples and their beloved cars that he's worked with. We are honored to have had Barbie the Welder share her amazing life journey with us, explain her artwork and passion while discussing pieces she's made for Harley-Davidson, SEMA, and more. The world's foremost expert on all things Porsche 356, 550 Spider, 
and actor racer James Dean, Mr. Lee Raskin, gave us an in-depth history lesson surrounding the rise and tragic fall of James Dean, but how it also acted as a springboard for Porsche in the U.S. Up-and-coming driver and Instagram influencer Annika Carter talked about what it's like moving up through the ranks in club racing while supporting her own team, turning wrenches herself, as well as some advice for women looking to get into motorsports and becoming an automotive journalist at A Girl's Guide to Cars. Thank you to everyone that came on the show this month. Please be sure to look forward to more exciting episodes in season three, and be sure to check out our Patreon for exclusive behind-the-scenes extras and pit-stop minisodes. I also hear rumor that you guys will be recording live from racetracks this year. That's right, Tanya. We're going to be on site with SRO GT America this year a couple of times. First up here in June at VIR, where we're going to be reconnecting with previous guests of the show, folks like Rob Holland and others, folks that'll be on subsequent episodes later this season. So if you're in the area, you've never been to a touring car or GT three GT four race, come on down to VIR that week in June. You can look at their schedule on gtamerica.us and join us there. We'll, again, we'll be recording live and meeting all sorts of people. And then we'll be back at it again at Watkins Glen in July with SRO as well. And then probably later in the year. So I'm looking forward to that. How about you, Brad? Anybody you want to, uh, anybody you want to rub elbows with somebody you want to meet? Yes. All of them, all <laughs> the drivers. I want to meet them all. I want to meet everybody. And if you're going to be at some of those races, please come up, say hello, tell us how much you love the show. That one, listener that we have please make sure you come up and say hi we really appreciate meeting our listener that's true we're gonna have some swag while they're there you know you can meet us in person we're gonna do some live recording like you said and if you've got a story you want to share pitch us an idea let us know i mean we're all ears right so everyone's got a story and yeah look out for the yellow card that's going to be floating around the paddock all right so no big shout outs to new patreon supporters this month but if you're looking to i know and if you're looking to help us out and keep the lights on and keep the momentum that the show is building going you can log on to patreon.com forward slash gt motorsports and even the littlest contribution helps you can set up your own custom amount or choose from one of the pre-prescribed tiers that's there and each one of those comes with different benefits some swag etc etc we really thank you in advance if you're looking to support us and it really does go a long way and remember that for everything that we talked about on this episode and more be sure to check out all the follow-on articles for this episode and others and show notes are available on gtmotorsports.org we have some other shout outs anniversaries shane cease and ethan pinkert are celebrating eight years with gtm and darren Pilato, who found us via hook on driving and joined our northeast region in may welcome aboard We'd also like to thank, of course, Tanya, our co-host and executive producer for all the wonderful work that she does on the show and all the members who support GTM. Without you, none of this would be possible. And last but not least, just one more countdown check-in for the DeLorean big reveal on 531. We have four days, one hours, 45 minutes, and 23, 22, 21, 20, 19, 18, 17. <laughs> This episode brought to you by the letter Q, three spoke steering wheels, and Jesus took the wheel. C is for cookie. <laughs> and three spoke steering wheels coming to every vehicle in the world. Sounds like a bad porno. <laughs> <laughs> which, which part of it? <laughs> Jesus take the wheel. The devil downshifts the straightaway. <laughs> I want to say something, but I'm not because it's inappropriate. <laughs> Say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. 16 seconds, 14 seconds, 13 seconds.
we are in the drive-through line. Me and her. Cars in front of us, cars in back of us, all just waiting to order. There's some idiot in a Volvo with his bright sun behind me. I lean out the window and scream, hey, what you trying to do, blind me? My wife says maybe we should... If you like what you've heard and want to learn more about GTM, be sure to check us out on www.gtmotorsports.org. You can also find us on Instagram at Grand Touring Motorsports. Also, if you want to get involved or have suggestions for future shows, you can call or text us at 202-630-1770 or send us an email at crewchief at gtmotorsports.org. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, everybody. Crew Chief Eric here. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Break Fix, and we wanted to remind you that GTM remains a no annual fees organization, and our goal is to continue to bring you quality episodes like this one at no charge. As a loyal listener, please consider subscribing to our Patreon for bonus and behind-the-scenes content, extra goodies, and GTM swag. For as little as $2.50 a month, you can keep our developers, writers, editors, casters, and other volunteers fed on their strict diet of Fig Newtons, gummy bears, and Monster. Consider signing up for Patreon today at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. And remember, without fans, supporters, and members like you, none of this would be possible.